You're listening to Food for the Future on 980 CFPL and 980CFPL.ca. Here's your host, Peggy O'Neill. I'm Peggy O'Neill, home economist and host of Food for the Future. Today's show is part of the monthly series, Waste Not, in which we discuss food-related waste and other ways that households and communities can act locally to contribute to global change. We'll be discussing hunger across Canada and hope for the new year with Caroline Newton, Chief Communications Officer for Food Banks Canada. Welcome, Carolyn. Thank you so much. I'm delighted to be here. Really glad to have you. Carolyn, it's New Year's Eve and a time to look back, but also look forward. So I'd like to know, looking back, how long has Food Banks Canada existed and how did it come about? Yeah, so Food Banks Canada has existed for a number of decades in different forms. It really came about at the time when food, food banks started, which was about four decades ago. And of course, the intention was that they would be temporary because nobody could imagine that we would have an ongoing food problem in this country. And so Food Banks Canada developed as a result of the continued presence of food banks um, across the country and the need to have a national organization that really worked on food security issues. For a very long time, you mentioned uh, four decades at least ago, and more informally when Food Banks Canada formed. And before that, there was help in communities and uh, certainly, as you said, thought it would be temporary. Let's hope it still is. It's just a longer deadline than we thought, that it will still be temporary. And it's New Year's Eve. We can make plans for the future and what each of us are going to do to help uh, move the dial on hunger. So again, looking back, which New Year's Eve is part of also looking back, Food Banks Canada just published the 2022 Hunger Count Report. And can you share some major findings in that report, Caroline? Yeah, it is a time to reflect on what we've been through this year as the country has emerged from the pandemic. Obviously, it's not totally over. We've really been able to document a massive increase in the number of visits to food banks. So since before the pandemic, so from from pre-pandemic 2019 till now, food bank use has increased by 35%, which is really pretty enormous. And there are a couple of important things within that. The number of people who actually are employed and still need to use food banks has really increased. Um, We also see that people on fixed incomes are particularly affected by inflation and the ongoing issue of the cost of housing from coast to coast is really affecting people's ability to feed themselves. So, you know, it's been... um, a mixed year. There have been good things because the pandemic has eased, but the consequences as the country's grappled with inflation have really been tough um, on a lot of folks. Right. Food prices, um, cost of like your home, whether you're renting or um, have your own mortgage, even though you might be making the same money, it doesn't go as far as it used to go. So uh, certainly hunger up. And you had mentioned 35% increase. That sounds like a lot. It is a lot. And and there are a number of people who are using um, a food bank for the first time. That number has also increased, which is something we really don't want to see because it means that more people are being tipped into the kind of poverty or income scarcity, which means that they have to rely on food banks. So that's that's a troublesome number. 
It is. And um, shifting to the type of demographic, you said some people are accessing it for the first time. I did read the uh, 2022 hunger count report in planning for the show. And I noticed that over 33% of food bank users are children. And so how do you think the school food program under Canada's food policy will help? Yeah, it's a really shocking thing. I mean, if you think about, you know, the number of children who whose families just can't quite make ends meet and the impact that that has on, you know, we know that that kids need nutritious food uh, so that they can learn. But food also is about how do you socialize? There's shame, there's stigma. So we are really focused on trying to support kids. And Canada's food policy is, uh, you know, directed at that. I mean, politicians know how important food and school food programs are for students, and they have been supporting them. We have a program called After the Bell, which tries to feed uh, or offer snack packs for kids for the summer when they when they aren't getting food at school. And so... All of that attention will help, you know, shifting policy, more food in schools. But really, if a family is struggling with income, that's where the help really needs to take place. Or if they can't find suitable housing or if the kids are, you know, prevented from doing any kind of extracurricular activity, it's not the only part of the solution. Right. And and hunger is one thing and everything else that goes with it, as you said, whether that's the school programming, the opportunity for extracurricular and therefore looking attractive to universities when you're putting your CV together or employers, if you're trying to get a job. I know I started working really early and uh, I was a... Uh, a recipient of uh, food donations when I was younger. And so you talk about destigmatizing it. I'm going to put it out there. You know, I'm, I'm here on the radio now and uh, I do many things, but I was in that category. And also the last year of my PhD, um, yeah. I could only work 10 hours to stay in the program. It was full time. And um, I had my daughter at home with me and I know firsthand uh, exactly all of the contributions that are made in the community across the nation and people who are working yourself, the policymakers to really help make sure that every child reaches their full potential and that we continue the dialogue on the special moral status of food. You know, there is so much need and there's only so many public dollars to go so many programs but there really is a special moral status to food. Absolutely. I mean, it's, it's you know, people who struggle with uh, income security or food security, they are not bad people. They haven't done anything wrong. And we work so hard to make sure that people understand that from our perspective, food is a right. And they they haven't been kind of put in some position where they should be punished for any of that. So we really work as much on opening the inclusive nature of food banks as much as actually providing food. You want to be providing moral support and an affirmation of their value as human beings so that because the the shame and the stigma that you mentioned, and I'm, I'm, I really appreciate that you mentioned that, is also something that can cause lifelong damage. Yeah, there and there's real social losses by Absolutely. by not handling hunger, and the human family won't reach its full potential either. Not just a single life won't reach its full potential, but the human family won't reach its full potential until we solve hunger. So I'll shift gears a little bit, Carolyn. You mentioned policymakers, and uh, I'm wondering there's a number of policy recommendations identified in the 2022 Hunger Count Report. Can you give us more information on that? 
Yeah, I think, I mean, I think we've, we've touched on housing, which is a really important one. Over 60% of the people who access a food bank have cited the cost of housing as, uh, as a reason for them being there. So we are asking all levels of government because housing is not something that gets solved by one level. So municipalities, provinces, federal government to really address the housing crisis, because without that, we just we aren't going to get anywhere on this. We're also looking at a special understanding of what it means to be hungry in the north of Canada because of the difficulty of accessing food, the incredible cost of getting food to remote communities, the environmental change that is causing ice roads on which northern communities depend to be less accessible. We're looking at a minimum income floor, which means a special understanding of people on fixed incomes, uh, seniors, people with disabilities. One is federal, one is provincial. And if we don't address the way in which you can condemn someone with a disability, for example, to a life of uh, of poverty um, because you are not adapting your minimum income for them, um, we need to we need to be addressing that. As I said before, an increasing number of food bank users are actually employed, so we have to make sure that people are earning enough money working forty hours a week that they can actually afford to live and uh, feed their families nutritiously. Right. And it is New Year's Eve. So these are some difficult messages to hear. However, I think that when I'm overwhelmed or um, hearing news that takes me a while to process, I, I try to think about, well, what can I do if I could do something, then I can be part of the solution, no matter how small I'll be part of the forward motion. So that brings me to my next question, which is food waste statistics in Canada. They are discouraging, not just from an environmental perspective, but also from the social perspective for every all the reasons we've been talking talking about so far in the show, how can we even out the abundance of all the food that is getting wasted and then this food scarcity, which is causing hunger? Yeah, it's a great, it's a great question because I think there's, there are many things that you can do as an individual. You can actually just be aware. How much am I actually wasting? What are the consequences of this? The, you know, the, the gases, the, the greenhouse gases that are emitted by food waste are enormous. So obviously meal planning, um, being thoughtful about uh, repurposing slightly wilty vegetables for a really delicious soup. So there's a ton of stuff and awareness is the first thing, like be aware of what you can do. I do something which I call shaking the fridge. Uh, I do it every week. I shake my fridge and I see, okay, what are we going to have? What kind of you know, omelet with uh, strange vegetables or soup or stew. So I think there's a lot there. Pressing um, a certain expectation on food retailers, they already do a lot to, to reuse or repurpose vegetables, other things that are perishable, to get them to food banks, adjusting how we understand best before and expiration dates. There's a lot of confusion there about something might be not be quite as tasty, but it's still perfectly safe to eat. We need far more public education on that. And then we really need a movement across the country that says, how shameful is it to to take this abundance that we have because we're a prosperous country that produces a lot of food um, when we have, you know, kids who haven't had an apple or an orange because fresh produce is just too expensive. Right. And so I think we all have a role in that 
And I think food banks are currently doing, they're working really hard at food recovery. A number of food banks also, um, they do food transformation. So they're making, like, for example, um, you know, you have places that, that make soups or stews and then serve that as part of it. They freeze it, they put it in hampers. So there's a lot that we can do. And I think what we need to do is elevate it to a national conversation. I couldn't agree more. It, as so just as you had said, it starts by being aware. Uh, and that starts with a national conversation. And so I'm very grateful that you're on the show today and realizing that um, something can be done. And that I think that will help also move the dial. I think of um, inertia. We think of that in physics, an object at rest will remain at rest unless a force greater than it moves it. And I think from a social and, and humanity perspective, we can be the force greater than this. After the break, we'll talk more with you, Carolyn Newton, Chief Communications Officer at Food Banks Canada. We'll talk more about the hub of opportunities and hope for a new year. Welcome back to Food for the Future on 980CFPL and 980CFPL.ca. Here's your host, Peggy O'Neill. I'm Peggy O'Neill, home economist and host of Food for the Future. We're speaking with Caroline Newton, Chief Communications Officer at Food Banks Canada, about hunger and hope. Carolyn, it's New Year's Eve. It's a time of hope and promise. And the hub of opportunities at Food Banks Canada offers just that. Can you tell us more about this program? So I think there's a lot of, um, there's a tremendous amount of innovation across the country that's going on to make sure that what the way in which we respond to food insecurity is really changing constantly and growing. So some of the things that we're doing are partnerships with food producers to enable us to have access to fresh food, vegetables, whatever it is. And we are able to then transform it. For example, um, there's the For Good Foundation, which produces canned goods. It's our own label. And we basically distribute it across the country at a far lower cost. And that came about from an innovation through a food producer. We also got um, massive numbers of potatoes from the producers in PEI, who when the American border closed to them had a surplus of potatoes. So we organized the distribution of potatoes from coast to coast to coast, including up to the north, where they developed a particular form of local poutine from those potatoes. We're also doing some really interesting work um, in Manitoba, for example, around people who have been clients of a food bank who come back and are interested in figuring out how they can volunteer. And so they've developed a training program so that those people can then actually become employed by the food bank. There are partnerships in Vancouver, uh, food transformation, where the Greater Vancouver Food Bank is working with uh, a, a producers in the, in the Fraser Valley so that the food that can be salvaged for people is being salvaged. Other food goes to animals and then some of it actually gets turned into fertilizer. All of that is done in partnership with the food bank. 
So I could go on because what makes me really hopeful on New Year's Eve is thinking about the tremendous human spirit that says, okay, we have a problem and boy, there are no shortage of solutions and I'm just going to get started on making them happen. Right. And that an individual does make a difference. So calling on the human spirit to unify and solve the problems in hunger on New Year's Eve is, I think, a very, very powerful message. Do you have any stories, some anecdotes coming out of the program, some of the recipients? What are they saying about what's going on in innovation? Well, so, you know, another another really important story is there's two that I want to tell. One is about some of the refugees who've come from the Ukraine who have arrived and are, you know, in a state of shock. And there's a young man, he's a teenager, member of a family who arrived, you know, they were the recipients of support from a food bank. And he immediately began volunteering, helping other people. And so has been able to basically set up through his his very young spirit, a program specific to the people that he knew in his community. And they're a very, very talented group of people who have then developed networks for employment, for housing. When I think about innovation, it's also the way in which food and food security is a key to other kinds of growth, personal growth, community growth, and an ability to actually reach your full potential. And then there's another wonderful story from Leamington of a farmer who is absolutely determined to rally his community of farmers to make sure that any surplus food produce is not wasted. You know, you give people an opening and they'll take it and they'll expand on it and they'll create some pretty amazing things. It's infectious. Once you start to, you know, have this forward motion that so much can happen, how inspiring on New Year's Eve to hear that, Carolyn. This show, we try to bring the humanities, so history, philosophy, and creativity to today's food dialogue. How can these approaches help us ensure every member of the human family is able to reach their life's full potential by ending hunger? Food is a thing that gives you calories. It's necessary for your metabolism. But actually in doing that, you're actually giving hope. You're connecting to someone. You're developing a relationship of trust, of mutuality. I mean, human beings are social creatures. We have social brains. We need to to actually forge those relationships in order to be who we want to be. And food is so basic to that equation. And if we're not thinking about food as also a form of hope, as a form of respect, as a form of honoring each other, we're actually not going to solve the problem. If you think of food as just a kind of, oh, we need to get more chickpeas (laughs) to these people, or we need to make sure we have eggs. Those are super important, but they're not enough. Right. The normal biostatistical functioning of the species is one thing. And certainly this, this humanity is another. And, you know, having now fortunately not being in those circumstances anymore, but I can remember the first time I was really aware that I had received food that someone else had made sure I was able to have. I I remember looking down at it and thought, wow, someone did this for me. They don't even know my name. They might not even ever see me. And someone did this for me. And what a hopeful message on New Year's Eve that we can continue that and end hunger in this nation and across the world. This show is called Food for the Future, Carolyn. What can we do together as a nation to end hunger for a brighter way forward? The number one thing I always say is 
Be aware of hunger in your community. Pay attention. Recognize that it is there, it is happening, and it's going to have an effect not just on the individuals, but on all of us. We, we all share in that pain. So be aware. Do what you can. If you don't have um, any extra funds or food, you can volunteer. Food banks are always looking for volunteers. If you can donate food, that's fantastic. If you can donate money, that's fantastic. If you can speak to your politician, if you can pay attention to the kind of advocacy messages we we have around above and beyond all of those things is be a human being who sees other human beings in their in their need and in their gifts. And all the losses we have without everyone sharing all of the gifts they have because they're distracted with hunger. I'm thinking of Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Many of us know that with our eyes closed, we've studied it throughout school and heard it so many times. And that first rung, of course, is physiological, but at the top is self-actualization. And we want every person to be able to self-actualize. Thank you so much, Carolyn, to you the entire team at Food Banks Canada and to all the partners and donors for everyone's tireless efforts towards humanity. And may all our dreams of zero hunger come true in 2023. Thank you so much. Really appreciate it. Thank you. And happy new years. And happy new year to you too. Today on Food for the Future, we've been speaking with Carolyn Newton, Chief Communications Officer at Food Banks Canada. Each week, we leave you with something to talk about and something to do. Something to talk about. What could you do to end hunger in your community? Something to do? Search Food Banks Canada to read the full 2022 Hunger Count Report, learn more about the hub of opportunities and ways to make a difference. Next week on the show, it's City Farming. We'll discuss planning for the new season with Carolyn McGill from Ontario Horticultural Association. I wish to extend a very warm thank you to all of our listeners, the 980 CFPL team, and all of our sponsors for your help in 2022. Happy New Year, everyone. I'm your host, Peggy O'Neill, Home Economist, and you've been listening to the weekly show, Food for the Future. Thank you to our platinum-level sponsors, Burn Bray Farms, Eggs for Life, and the Middlesex London Food Policy Council. Food for the Future with Peggy O'Neill airs every Saturday at 8.30 on 980 CFPL and 980 CFPL.ca.